inviting Jesus into your life, which is what repentance means, confessing your sins, you then come to Christ the Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and the Bible says you are saved. Now, that means you are born again. At that point, having repented of your sins, you qualify to be baptized. If you did not repent, then you were not being baptized. It means baptism is something else more than repentance. It means it is your identification with Christ, the risen Savior. It means if baptism by the Spirit into the body is a heavenly act, which it is, you don't see an outward writing on a person with a stamp that says born again. When you got saved, nobody stamped you on the forehead in the physical and said you were born again. You didn't hang a, a little notice on your sleeve that says born again, born again. Everybody look at me, I'm born again. Everybody look at me, I'm born again. You didn't have to do that. But in heaven, it was known and recognized. Your name was listed in the book of life. And at that moment, you became a child of God. And God knew that you were his child. You were identified. May I say this to you? The kingdom of darkness recognized and knew that you were transferred from death unto life. You had moved from darkness to light. You were no longer a candidate of hell, but you are a candidate of heaven. You have shifted and changed lanes, and you're walking in a different lane from where you were. Now, that is a heavenly act. That is a heavenly... So, physically, outwardly, your hairdo might be the same. Your facial outlook might be the same. You might be wearing the same jeans one moment before you got saved, but the next moment, you were on your way heading to heaven. It had nothing to do with your outward personality. It had nothing to do with how you look on the outside. So if you are trying to lead people to Christ, and the first thing you start telling them is stop smoking, stop drinking, stop cheating, stop all those things, you are doing it wrong because those things should be fruits. Stopping those things should be fruit of repentance, not before repentance. Without repentance, those things don't change. So repentance is number one, and then every other thing will follow. In fact, it is not even our job to begin to tell people what to do and what not to do. If the Spirit of God has taken control of their lives, they themselves will begin to take a different direction. And as they are taught, they will now begin to walk in the law of liberty because the Spirit of God is He that speaks into their hearts and they begin to walk in the new life because as Jesus was raised from the grave, so the life, the Spirit that raised Jesus from that grave now lifts us up out of the dungeon of death and puts us on the lane that leads to eternal life. And as we are walking, the rules of the kingdom in which we have come begin to guide our lives and we begin to live by a different rule because the head of the kingdom is the high priest of our profession and his name is Jesus. We no longer serve Satan, but we begin to serve Jesus. And as we serve Jesus, the new life in us will begin to transform us from glory to glory, 
from precept to precept, from step to step, from knowledge to knowledge, from wisdom to wisdom. And as we take one step, we take the other step. Let me say to you, every one of us, we are all on different levels. And that's why if you expect somebody to be on your level, you're being unfair. Your level is not their level. There are some of you that don't look strong in the faith, but you are way ahead of many people. And there are some of you that are, appear to be strong, but are not so strong. And so you could actually act as if you are strong, but you will find out the person you are acting against is stronger than you are. In the eyes of God. That's why the Bible says in the book of uh, Revelation chapter 3, the angel of the church inside it says, say to the church, here is he that says, the king of kings. He says you, uh, you have a testimony with men that you are alive, but he says you are dead. That's what God sees. So beloved, in your walk of faith, as soon as you're baptized into the body, as soon as you come into the body, it is not what people say that matters. People can pressing you until they are blue in the face. The day you enter that box, it is you and God, nobody else. And it doesn't matter what people do on this side. It doesn't matter the testimonies of people on this side. It doesn't matter even the condemnation. Beloved of God, it does not matter what people say of you. It won't change a bit. People can even pray that you pass from one part of uh, the other side to another, nothing will change. It is appointed for man wants to die after that judgment. And that judgment, it is what we have done. And it is whether or not our names are in the books of life. The book of life. And if your name is not in the book of life, then you're going to have to be judged by the stuff that you did. And the stuff that you did won't stand one minute of scrutiny, even on earth, let alone in heaven. Praise the Lord. Now, so baptism, therefore, is the next step as we move forward. And that is the step of identification with Christ. And I want to uh, speak in this, uh, to say this, that it is the outward, earthly manifestation or recognition of a heavenly act that is inward. It is your own response to what God has already done by writing your name in the book of life. And your response is not only to God who already knows you, but you are now telling folks around you that, hey, I want you to see me. I identify myself with Jesus. And as he died, so did I. And as he rose from the dead, so did I. And I'm on my way as a member of the new community. And in that community, Jesus is the head. And I'm now announcing to the entire world. In fact, I'm announcing to every demon that I no longer am in their camp. And baptism, water baptism, is an announcement. It's your identification. It is your recognition. It is your response to the inward walk by an outward act. It is an outward display of the things that you've done, but by it you are making a statement that from today I am no longer myself. When I was an unbeliever, I used to have my space. I used to have what my space. Young people will understand what I'm talking about. But I no longer have my space. 
Because now I am in the space of Jesus. Praise the Lord. And so while I walked in my own little space, I never wanted anybody to come into that space. But now that I'm in the space of Jesus, it means that I am in a new community. And in that new community, I am identifying with everyone in Jesus' community. Praise the Lord. Now you better be careful there. Because you're going to see people you don't like. In Jesus' community. Amen? They differ from you. I'll talk about that in a little while. We are also identifying with those that identified with Jesus. Let's look at that reading quickly. Matthew chapter 3. So if you're with me, look at verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Praise the Lord. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us, 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 to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. That means he allowed him to be baptized. And Jesus, pay attention to this now. When he was baptized, went up straightway. When he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were what? Open unto him. And who did he see? And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So, at the baptism of Jesus, who do we see? We see the spirit descend like a dove, and we hear the father speaking, this is my beloved son. The blessed trinity has come down. They identified with Jesus. Now pay attention to this. When you get baptized, you are identifying with this same group. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that showed up at that baptismal service, you are identifying with them. That is why the Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, when you baptize, you baptize them after they are made disciples in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It means you are in the company of the Father, and he's now your Father. You're also in the company of the Son, because you have identified yourself with him, through whose blood you have received eternal life. Then you are in the company of the Holy Spirit, who makes all things possible, and has brought you, remember, he convicted you first, and baptized you into the body. And so you find the love of the Father in you and the love of the Son in you and the strength of the Spirit of God in your life. Now, in that community, that's all you need. In the community of God, the only persons you need is Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Because in that community, listen to me, everyone you ever met in your life including your father and your mother. 
You don't live with them every day. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And time will come when you're going to have to part ways. Because some will go before others. So the price of love is pain. And so you have to cry over the loved ones you loved and they are gone. But I want you to understand that it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit that keep pace with you. The moment you give your life to Christ, they keep you in this journey until the day you see them face to face. In other words, God commits to you. So when you are baptized in the name of the Father, the Father said, that's why we say for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit abide with us. Why? We say that at the end every day. Paul writes that when he writes letters to the churches. The reason he does that is that he wants us to know that is the community in which you live. And in that community, the only language that they understand is love. In that community, the only rule by which they operate is grace. In that community, everything that happens is communion, fellowship. I want you to understand that you cannot be in the communion and community of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and still be walking around in the world. It is impossible for you to live in that community if you have truly gone down in that baptism and still desire and to say, I'm going to take my sweet time and five minutes before I launch into eternity, then am I going to turn back to God? It is important for us to know that God commits to us with everything in heaven. That whereas our names are written in the book of life, he never leaves us alone. That's why when you're going left, he tells you. When you're going right, he tells you. When he wants you to go straight, he tells you. That is why he builds you up. The father commits to the love that he has had for you, will have for you, and will continue to have forever. God's love for you never disintegrates. God's love for you, the love that he pursued you when you were still an unbeliever, that love still follows you. Wherever you go, that love never drifts by the wayside. That love is always committed. It is not like after you are saved, then they say, we finally got him. We finally got him. No, they are excited that you are in their community. And then they commit. And so grace is given to you. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, the Bible says we are given grace after he has put down captivity and took it captive. The Bible says after he descended into Hades and then he came out, then he gave gifts unto men. Beloved, gifts are given to us as an act of grace. Whatever you are doing in the body of Christ, I want you to know it is part of the grace of God. There is nothing you have that you did not receive. There is nothing you are that you were not made. There is absolutely nothing in your life that originated with you. Everything in your life, including your breath, is not your own. And so if the Lord desires to have his breath back, you're done. And all that will be left is that body that we colored so much. 
That body that we took care so much. Now, I'm not saying don't take care of it. But I'm just trying to tell you, we are in a borrowed time. And soon after, we are going to give it up. And when he calls, there is not a second over what God has designated that man will add for you. The people that love you will run away from you. All you need is three days. And when you begin to swell, they say, ah, that's not the person I know. They begin to run away. And after a while, they even cover themselves, not with a mask, but they are getting all that they can to take a look, I mean, to, to, to close their nose because you begin to stink. That's what Martha said of her brother. If they went to see you in the mortuary, they will look with a lot of fear from a distance and it's cold there and everybody's trying to get out. It doesn't matter how much they loved you. They could cry there, but they can't keep with you there. And after a little while, they are out of that place. Where was their love? They loved the person that used to live in that body. But after a while, they are gone. After a while, we are no longer there. Where are we? We are now face to face with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are now face to face with the Lord who has called us. Beloved, I want you to understand that the reason we are here, the reason we are what we are now, the reason we are even listening is that God has given to us much grace and his love has surrounded us and the communion of the spirit is upon us. That is why we are in his community. And when we look at one another and say, it is well with your soul. We are speaking kindly to one another because in his community, he said, you should love one another as I have loved you. Beloved, if you have no time to love other people, I'm sorry for you. The only language that is understood by the Trinity is the language of love. That's why Paul wrote, it doesn't matter how gifted you are. If you could raise the dead, it doesn't matter how gifted you are. If you could multiply bread, it doesn't matter how gifted you are. If you could move the earth, but you have no love, that gifting is like a sounding symbol. Nothing. The love of God is the key to this. So in that community, we must understand. We are identifying with the Trinity. Praise the Lord. Now, when you confess your sins at regeneration, you now move to the next level, and the next level is the metanoia that I talked about last week. The rethinking your thinking. You are saying, I have a new worldview, and my worldview is no longer what I used to know. This is where the trouble of discipleship is. Because you cannot be a disciple and maintain the same thoughts that you used to maintain. Amen? You have to have the mind of Christ. You have to think the thoughts of Christ. And you have to speak the language of Christ. Remember? Grace, love, and communion. Fellowship. Remember? Grace, love, and fellowship. These three is what keeps the body moving. The body is alive. As soon as you take one of these, it begins to decay. Grace, where we lack grace, where we are absent of grace, where there is no grace, 
In water baptism, we stepped into that community and identified with it. But we have to learn as disciples within that community because baptism would therefore be the beginning of your discipleship. What you are saying is, as a priest of the Most High God, I am supposed to take the grace of Christ and minister it to the next person. I'm supposed to take the love of the Father and give it to somebody else. And that somebody else might be a stranger. How many of you know there are no strangers in the house of God? That's why the Bible says, God said to Israel, he says, you must invite the stranger and treat them well. Did you know that in Israel, strangers and the poor were people that were supposed to be allowed during the year, the seventh year, the Sabbath year, when you leave your land to be followed, everything that is on that farm was supposed to be left untouched. And it is the stranger, it is the poor, it is the people that couldn't help themselves that go into that farm to glean from whatever is left of your seven years. And God says you must feed the stranger. You must treat them kindly. Beloved, the Bible even says in the process of doing so, many of you have entertained angels. I bet some of you have entertained angels and you didn't know. I bet some of you have bypassed angels and you did not also know that you could have done them well. They were angels, but you looked at them as people. And you know why you missed the angel? You missed that angel because they didn't look like one. If they came with wings and they flew around you, you will bow the knee. And I hope you know you're not supposed to bow the knee to angels. But knowing us humans, you say, hey, I saw an angel with his wings and he was flying. And you will announce it to everybody. The next day you start a new ministry. Isn't that true? If one of us saw an angel yesterday, we'll be in trouble today. Ah, even the ones we see in dreams, we tell people. We're almost flying out of ourselves. Praise the Lord. Now, but the angel that you saw was not in the form of an angel. He was like a human being and didn't look nice. Sometimes looked like a homeless man. And you bypassed him because he looked like a human being. You may even have cursed at that person. What is it that we do? When we lack grace and we lack love, we cannot have fellowship. When we lack grace, our very words are fighting words. Have you ever been around people who would speak to you and you were wondering whether they were fighting or they were talking? When we lack grace, our words have no appeal. Our words don't comfort we might be comforting somebody, and the person hears it as if thunder is falling on their head. Grace is what makes you relevant to the next person. Grace is what makes you relevant to people, relevant to your world. The reason sinners and those that were evil were drawn to Jesus and they were running away from the Pharisees is because Jesus had grace in him. And the Pharisees did not. They were grinding their teeth at people that were fallen by the wayside. And Jesus said, I did not come to call the righteous. I came to call sinners. And I want you to understand that if you have grace, you will begin to see the plight of people. You will carry people's burdens in your heart. 
It is the absence of grace in our lives that makes us carefree about what happens to other people. And if you if you you have pleasure in running over people's lives and making people's lives difficult, it is because you lack grace. Grace is what makes us speak. Paul says when we speak, we should have grace. Let's look at Colossians chapter 4 quickly. Hopefully we can we can get something out of there. Colossians chapter 4, quickly. In verse 6, the Bible says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Did you hear that? Let your speech always be seasoned with grace. Your speech must be with grace and seasoned with salt. You know, your speech can only be seasoned with salt when the grace of Jesus is driving you to speak words to people. You know you can rebuke people and they heard the grace of God. Did you understand that? You can hug people and say, hey, stay away from me. Because that hug has no grace in it. At homes, in our homes, we speak to one another without grace. And when we speak, it hurts people because at the end of the day, the reason why our speeches hurt each other is because when we were doing so, there was no grace. You can't look at people and say, ah, do you know? So, so, and so. So, so, and so. There was no grace there. People of grace don't go there. People of grace encourage somebody. Somebody brings their need to you and they were looking for the grace of God as a priest of the Most High God who has gone through the water of baptism as a disciple imbibe the grace of God. They were trying to appeal to that grace so that you can encourage them. The next thing they had is it's all over in the streets. There was no grace. The test of our discipleship is the grace we give to other people. You can never be relevant to your neighbor without grace. Jesus appealed to everybody. The light of God. The light that should attract everybody. I mean, sinners should run away from the light of Christ. Luke chapter 15 says they were drawn to him. It was sinners that were magneted to Jesus. Because everything he had, they had from him. Was grace, grace, grace. uh, uh, What's his name? Zacchaeus saw him from a tree. The Bible said the man was short. Thank God for short people. Amen. Praise the Lord. But thank God for tall people too. Praise the Lord. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And Zacchaeus climbed on a tree in order to see Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, Hey, Zacchaeus, I know you're on that tree. Come down here. That man would have left the branch and just fell. Jesus calling me? Oh my goodness. I was trying to see the man from a distance. And now I can see him face to face. Jesus says, hey, when he came down, he said, dude, tonight we're eating your house. He said, what did you just say? Am I dreaming? He says, my dinner is in your house. There were no cell phones then. Zacchaeus couldn't wait to get home to talk to Mrs. Zacchaeus. I said, we have a guest in this house today. I mean, how do you feel for Jesus to come to your house for dinner? That's the ultimate grace. Amen. But 
Guess what happened? The Pharisees looked at him and said, this guy must be a sinner. <laughs> because he doesn't know who he's eating with. You know what they were expecting? Clean people deal with clean people. If that's our attitude, we will never save anybody. That's why different people other than us come in our midst. And they cannot enjoy our space. Because our space is without grace. They come in, they sit down for months. We used to have different kinds of people. But one by one they leave. You know why? It is not pastors that keep people in church. It is fellowship that keeps people in church. So don't call me and say, how come this one is not there? Don't call me. You know the reason? Because if we engage people with grace, they will stay. Did you get what I just said? It is the grace of God over your life that makes people want to serve the God you serve. And so they now began to look at Jesus. And all of, all of the stuff, they were looking at him and said, this man must surely be a sinner. Ah, if he knew Zacchaeus wrote, 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 he wrote some tax stuff. He worked with IRS of his time. He wrote that tax stuff, but he hid some of it. And passed on to the government a little of it. And so the man was a cheat. He overrated, inflated people's taxes and gave less to government. The man is a thief. <laughs> That's why when Jesus came to Zacchaeus' house, he said, Zacchaeus, tonight salvation has come into your house. As soon as Jesus spoke, you know that's a rebuke. You don't understand that? Jesus, who sees right through you like an x-ray, is now telling you, Zacchaeus, I know about you. I know the tax cheat you did. I know all those ones. And without Zacchaeus saying anything, he said, Master, just wait, just wait. He went and began to bring out the money he was hiding in all of his closets. He brought it and he laid it at Jesus' feet. And he said, Master, if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to repay hundredfold today. And Jesus said, don't worry, salvation has come to your house. You know what that means? Jesus is saying, I see the need in your life, but I want you to know that today you're a different man. Salvation has come to your house. And Zacchaeus now opened his heart. I am sure after that one, the man became a man of grace. Until you can be a person of grace, you can't lead others to the cross. Because the cross is not a judgmental cross. The cross is a cross of grace. And grace is what judges people. Because when you stand in front of God's grace, you x-ray yourself and it's a mirror. You look at yourself and you say, this person standing is not right. And until people can see themselves in God's mirror, you cannot lead them to Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, so at that point, most people, however, after we've done this, most people stop at the cross. They stop at that baptismal point. Now, what's the danger of baptism of water? And then you stop there. When you stop there, you begin to establish religion. Did you get that? That's when you begin to live in between God and the world. In other words, at that point, you are striving to be a disciple, but you are also striving to minister to the world. And so while you want to serve Christ, you are unable 
to offer everything to Christ. Because when you stop there, the baptism of repentance does not change and alter everything in you. That is why in Acts chapter 19, Paul asked those guys um, in the place where he went. And he says, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? They said, we don't know that there is any Holy Spirit at all. So he said, unto what baptism were you then baptized? And they said, unto the baptism of John. He said, but John baptized unto repentance for in the name of the Lord. But he says, but there is another baptism you need to move forward. And that baptism you, you need to have because if you don't, then what is going to happen is that you are going to remain at the place where there is the baptism of water and that is where religion gets established. Did you get what I just said? Without the Holy Spirit, which is the third form of baptism, you are not able to stand in the place where God wants you to be. You cannot grow. Listen, people should be comfortable around you if you are full of the Spirit. Did you hear what I just said? People should, have, should, should come into that space and know that your life is a testimony sufficient enough. They want something to have to do with you. Praise the Lord. In the world, if you stay at the place of water baptism alone, you are going to now begin to look at social classification. Who are they? That's how you hear in the church when people are talking. Who does she think she is? Who does he think he is? Okay, that's when we start thinking of our education. We start thinking of our groups. We start thinking of our cliques. We start thinking of all of our formations. Any church you go to, any church, that includes our own, where there are groups, Every one of those churches, they lack the spirit. Did you hear what I just said? Because every one of those groups has a leader. And every one of those leaders is a representation of their connection. That group's connection to Satan. Because the group exists not to serve God. The group exists to serve the people. Every group exists to serve the needs of people. It is not the needs of God. Because in the need of God, there is one space. And that is the space called God's space. And in God's space, what are the three things that operate? The first thing that operates is grace. The second thing is love. And the third thing is fellowship. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. When you fellowship in the spirit, you cease to look at people's identity. Does anybody get to hear what I said? It doesn't matter if it's in a nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And if in a nation people see color, in a, in a community people see social status, anywhere you go where these cliques exist in a church, it is a testament to the flesh. It is a testament that we are not in the spirit. It is a testament that God is not ruling over that place. Because if God rules over the place, there are no classifications. 
Because only by the grace of God and at the cross of Christ that the richest meet the poorest and they embrace each other. And the church becomes like the world when we live by the characteristics of the world. If I go around you here and I talk about politics, some of you will be upset, some of you will be happy, some of you will clap, some of you will say, no, I won't come back here again. And if we hear you talk about yours, we are going to go that way. Did you know that election time is time for crisis even for the church? We are not meant to go through that. We are meant to be people whose hearts are governed by the laws of Christ in the space of God. And it is not about humanity. It is not about human beings. And it is not about human standard. It is not about the color. It is not about social life. It is not about the person. It is not about what they can offer or what they cannot. It is about taking care of each other by the grace of God that everyone that comes in there does not feel alone. How many of you know you can be in a church and be lonely? You can be in a church and nobody likes you. And when you pass, they are cursing at you. That's a church that lacks the grace of God and has no spirit of God. Any church and any individual, any Christian that will stand under the anointing of the spirit will not curse people. Because if you do, then you are going to find out that you truly are not exhibiting what God is looking for. Because in the space of God, only those three things exist. And so whenever we step outside of those things, then we can have our group formulations. Touch one of the members of that group. You are touching everybody. Did you understand that? And when God help us with background like ours, then we look at each other and say, hey, this one is Yoruba. This one is Yibo. This one is Hausa. We are in the flesh. You don't want to say amen. I say we are in the flesh. I don't care where you come from. The moment we start looking at each other by our tribal inclinations, we've gone back to the flesh. As long as we are in the flesh, we are going to glorify Satan. We will not be together. There are people who will never fellowship with you only because of where you come from. And there are people who look at you upside down because of your heritage. Shame on us if we cannot fellowship. Because in the space of God, there is no classification. There is no grouping. There is no formation. There is no tribe. There is no gender. There is no Greek. There is no Jew. There is no man. There is no woman. There is no rich. There is no poor. There is no slave. There is no master. In Christ Jesus, we are one. Every time there is a group, there is us versus them. That's a shame. That's a shame. Because that means there is no fellowship there. And I tell you what, a group, a church that exhibits such will never grow. It will never grow. They will never grow. A church that lives that way will never grow will never grow. We are either in the spirit or we are out of it. And if we have all those colorations, we are automatically out of the spirit. Because the spirit has no time for that garbage. The spirit of God has no time for inclinations. The only identity in the spirit 
is that you belong to Christ. You have identified with Christ. You are born again. And beloved, if you are born again, give me your hand and we shall fellowship. You may look like a stranger, give me your hands. Because there are no strangers in the house of God. That's how you meet people. You've never seen them. You've never met them. In fact, you can't speak the same language. How many of you were here many years ago when we moved in here, I think 2015, a short man from Guatemala who was a prophet in his own right, could not speak English. He came here and somebody translated. The man stood here and when he spoke, it felt like a revival. He couldn't speak English, we couldn't speak Spanish, except for my sister. Many of you had the best of two worlds. But when the man spoke, it was dynamic. And when he walked out of that door, I said, wow, this is a man of God. He went back and he said, we're going to have fellowship together. But the language barrier became a problem. But once I heard of him, the man felt like he's known us and we've known him for ages. Because in the house of God, you know people by the spirit. Paul says, henceforth, henceforth, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Ah, when you come to me and say, ah, did you know that person? I will say, yes, I know them. And most of the time, I don't, people don't come to me that way. Because for me, I see people by the spirit. And I said, really? I've known this person. They may not be perfect, but I know their heart. They love the Lord. Do you understand what I'm talking about? It does not matter to me. The Bible says, if thou shalt mark iniquity, who can stand? So I don't look at people and say, oh, that one is a Christian. That one is not. This one is a Christian. That one is not. She has even been... Uh, you know, castigated by people because people follow her on Facebook. They are that one, something must be wrong. People follow you. I see Bishop Abdul Salam, Bishop, and his name is Abdul Salam. That's an Arabic name. Bishop Abdul Salam. Thousands of people follow him. And I was looking, I said, how did this man build up all these people? I said, God, the grace of God is on you. I saw him for the first time in town. And that day he had a problem. You understand that? And the spirit of the Lord looked at me and said, take care of his problem right now. My wife and I walked up to him and said, sir, don't worry about it. The Lord has asked us to do something. We, by the grace of God, we could. And we took care of him right there. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I have never met the man. I've never heard him preach. But when you meet people in the spirit, you live by the spirit. Ah, you don't live by the sword. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You in the household of faith, put your sword away. Some of us are still like Peter. They went to arrest Jesus. Jesus said, they will arrest me. I'll be crucified. It is good that I go away. Peter was still carrying sword. And when they arrested Jesus, Peter said, ah, this is time for it, master. It's good we are here. He drew it out. And he looked at one of the servants of the priest and he goes with his ear. I'm sure he aimed for his neck. He just missed it and went with the ear. If you were Jesus, what would you do? Good job, Peter. Jesus looks at him and says, ah, 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 ah. Wait, 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 wait. You will arrest me, just, so just wait. But you, Peter, put your sword back. If I need sword, I'll call for angels. The time has come. He says the time has come when the son of man will be glorified. Put your sword back. And you think Jesus was going to say, oh yeah, let's go. First, 
he did not forget. He took the ear, dripping blood. He looked up to heaven and said, my father, show your glory. And he puts it back. A miracle. The ear stops bleeding. Everything is cleaned up nice. There is no stitching. There is no wound. It was a miracle of the son of God. He puts it back. And then he looks at the people and says, I'm ready to go. The man in whom the miracle was done was one of those who still arrested Jesus. Did you hear me? But Jesus submitted himself to die. So you and I can follow his example. People may be killing you, but don't stop loving them. Did you hear what I said? People may be killing you, but don't stop loving them. Because you must be a witness by the spirit. Henceforth know we no man after the flesh. He says we used to know Christ after the flesh. But from now onwards we don't anymore. Beloved, if you are going to see God walk in your life, walk by the spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is what puts life. Because by it we become witnesses. By it we become disciples. By it we, we, we become witnesses by exhibiting the goodness of God. By it we exercise the gifts of the Spirit. By it there is healing. By it there is miracle. People are looking for the product of the Spirit, but they don't like the Spirit. When we lack the Spirit, we live in the flesh. Did you hear what I said? If we are in church, including FGGM, if we lack the spirit, we are in the flesh. I would rather have two people that are in the spirit than have a thousand people that are in the flesh because my life will be cut short. And I will not accept that. When you are in the spirit, you leave things to those people. And they would not stab you in the back. When you are in the spirit, you can trust what they tell you because what they said wasn't meant for your destruction. Did you know that when there is no spirit, you say yes when you mean no? Did you understand that? And you say yes when it is actually no. Because what goes on in our heart, only God knows. Because the heart is desperately wicked. It is the spirit of God that makes us walk with Jesus. I pray today that we not only are baptized in the body, but that we will be baptized in water if we are not. But more importantly, that we'll be baptized by the Spirit. Because in the Spirit, I don't see any difference. We are one big family. It is not us versus them. It is us all in Christ. And we belong to God's space. People that come around us should be comfortable. They are not uncomfortable. People that come around us should know that there is something in this place. If we live by the spirit, people who come into church here will not go out. They will not go. They will stay. They will say, we like what goes on here. Did you realize sometimes they say, ah, there is love here. They need to come back for the second Sunday. And then people look at them and say, see that person? Uh, we, we get one story or the other and we attach it to them. They hear the story, their heart is broken. They say, oh, oh, first Sunday I thought there was love here. We can show for the first Sunday that we love people. But that's not the proof of love. 
the proof of love is the walk that we walk. And when we fellowship together in the spirit, that's the only time the spirit will be honored. Let us stand up together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we stand together, we are going to pray. I'll need just about some few minutes of your time. We are going to pray that God will help us to be baptized in the body. And those of you that are not baptized by water, we are ready for classes. But that we will also be filled with the spirit. You're going to pray that God will help you to be filled with the spirit. If you're hearing from a distance, from your home, <laughs> ask the Lord, fill me with your spirit. Let it be that I walk by the spirit. Let my love be genuine. Let grace keep my heart. And when I speak to people, it should be by grace. Uh, when the love of God comes out of my life, did you know you cannot love people if it is not already in your heart? Love is the nature and the character of the person loving. You cannot love people just by trying to love them. Say, ah, I will try. You won't love them. You don't try to love. You love. And love means you give. You have to love people as they are. When you let people into that space, you don't let them on your terms. You let them on their terms. That's love. God accepted us, not on his terms, but on our terms. We, yes, we came to him in Christ, but he still sees us. Since you met Christ, how many times did you sin? God still spared you. God still kept you. God still loves you. God has still given you grace. Why would you not give grace to other people? Close your eyes and ask God, I need grace. I need love. I need the gift of fellowship by the Spirit. Can we pray that prayer? Thank you, Jesus. We need your grace. We need your love. We need the gift of fellowship. As we go from here, I ask, oh God, that you will help us. We give you praise forever. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, as you will help us even to walk in our new walk. As we move from here, the necessity of the three baptisms, I pray if anyone is not saved, that you write their names in the book of life. If you know you don't have a relationship with Jesus, ask him. If you do, you're not baptized in water, please indicate to us and we will get you baptized. Because baptism is more than what you think. It's identification with Christ coming into the community of faith. And then the baptism of the Spirit. May the Lord help us. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, as we go forward,